All right, welcome in Cube Show Podcast, a college football podcast that comes to you on Sundays. And what do you know, we are back in the office. Brought to you by our friends at Wickles Pickles. It's been a minute since we uh, we had the Wickles jar to show you, and we've been in the house. Look at that, Wickles jar as big as my head. You can get that at the grocery store, hopefully. If not, you need to tell your grocer, what's the deal? I need Wickles Pickles in here today. They always sponsor our show, title sponsor of the show. We always appreciate them. Uh, go to Wickles.com. You can drop ship them, have them sent to your house. Uh, use promo code CUBE, save 15% on that. You've been tweeting pictures in. We always appreciate that. Always good stuff. Um, wow, another week in the SEC. Another week of college football. It was a lot of fun. I was in Oxford, Mississippi. Uh, I had a chance to sit down with Lane, Pete Golding, Charlie Weiss Jr. Got to visit with J.J. Pegese. Um, got to visit with Trey Harris. Just J.J. Pegese, so delightful. Really cool kid. Uh, so much good energy. Trey Harris, just you can tell, like when they described him to us as a consummate pro, when we had the Georgia Tech game, you could really see why. When you get a chance to sit down with him and talk to him, just a, a really, really fine young man. Uh, really cool to visit with him. And uh, cool to be in Oxford. Um, you always get to be around John Currents, head over to the City Grocery, had a great dinner there, had the salmon, um, had pretty much every appetizer on the menu our table ordered. It was always fantastic, always wonderful. Love being there, love being around them. Um, it was a good atmosphere, too. Game was good. I thought it was a good crowd. And, you know, Vanderbilt obviously didn't bring a lot to make it a competitive game late. And this Ole Miss team, man, they just kind of keep rolling. And it's a group that I think when you look at just kind of what they have, what they are, uh, maybe the most impressive part is when you look at how they're becoming healthy. So Trey Harris is now going back to left receiver. So he gets back to where he started the season out and where he was every snap of camp. Now, he went over to right because of his knee and the knee that he was going to have to be cutting off the majority of the time. And so now he's back to where he's been. Dayton Wade goes back to left from right. No, Trey Harris is at left. Dayton Wade goes back to right. Trey Harris was at right. Priestcorn's healthy. He's in the lineup. Uh, they told us that they want to start rotating Judkins and Bentley every other series, so they're gonna they're gonna keep the snaps at a limited to those guys just a little bit. They're rotating a bunch of offensive linemen in and out. Saw our guy Eli Acker in the game a little bit. Got to meet his mom before the game. Uh, just wonderful lady. Um, so glad that I got to meet her and his sister. Uh, we saw him in the lineup a little bit. Uh, so they're they're rolling those guys in and trying to save some of those snaps that we talked about a few weeks ago. We're a little bit problematic for the offense, not so much the defense. But Ole Miss rolls 33-7. to It was an impressive win. Uh, didn't have to do a ton of heavy lifting. Vanderbilt, like I said, doesn't put up much of a fight. They kind of got in a bad spot early. Ole Miss had the run game going. Judkin goes for one, one 24 and two touchdowns. Uh, Dayton Wade, eight catches, 120 yards. Boy, is he dynamic. The one-handed catch down the sideline was incredible. Um, you see what he can do in the catch and run over the middle of the field. They just have so many different places that they can go now. And one of the other things that I think is really cool, uh, one of the plays that we talked about last week where they would, against Auburn, they would run zone and that backside tackle would kind of, it would he would pull, but then sometimes it looks like he was like pulling and staying. Uh, sometimes they lock it a lot of different directions. Well, this time they almost ran it like a counter, like they blocked it back and the backside tackle came around with the same back, the back had the same track that they had. My point is, 
they're still mixing and matching a lot of the things that they're doing in that run game, making it look very unique, but essentially it's the same plays. Uh, that's going to make them so tough to defend. And then a lot of the pre-snap motion that they utilize, the different formations, having Caden Priestcorn out there, another young man who, by, by the way, the, the stories of these kids that have been through so much this year, it's unbelievable. I got another one for you here in a minute uh, from a, a young man from Vanderbilt, but I mean, Caden Priestcorn lost his father a couple weeks ago, and uh, what he's gone through, I just can't even imagine. I can't fathom, you know, going out there and having to get through a football season. It's just, it's, it's crazy, uh, and and I hate it for these young men because this is supposed to be the best time of their life. They're supposed to be enjoying it. Um, nonetheless, JJ Pegues, I thought was great defensively. Pete Golding told us they're further ahead than he ever thought they would be at this point, and one of the big reasons is I think what they're doing with the front four. Uh, the, they have, I think, three more sacks right now rushing four than they did all of last year. That was going into the game against Ole Miss, and I know they had a couple more. Jared Ivey was great off the edge. He's doing some good things. Uh, they're starting to use Perkins in different ways, letting him get out in space, drop a little bit, not just as a, as a, as a sort of a speed edge rusher. Uh, they took him off all special teams so he could focus in just on defense because they want to expand his role so now when they go do special teams, punt, punt, cover, kickoff, he goes down and gets individual work, hoping to get him set to be maybe a real player on that defense here for the home stretch because they got some tough games coming up. But he's a guy that I think could really help. Uh, Pegues having, having a good year. Uh, he's really learned how to use his hands well. He's really becoming a defensive lineman, not just a guy that has elite athletic ability. I was hoping he was going to get a chance to throw that touchdown in. Would have been so cool down on the in the red zone on the goal line when he took the direct snap. Dart was 19 to 28, 240. And the coaches told us like there's a few things that they really want to see him improve upon. They want to see him be better with. Um, I get it. I understand it. Um, the pick he had this week was bad. The pick against Auburn was bad. He maybe he's forcing things. I I, I don't know. But what I I don't know about that. What I do know though is the things that he does when he ad-libs outside the pocket, moving around, or like you saw the one play against Auburn, he kind of rolled to his right and he dumps it to the receiver real quick and they get a nice gain. Or when he leaves the pocket or the design quarterback runs, like especially in short yardage, he's super valuable, man. It's like I wouldn't get too hung up on one or two bad throws a game. And I realized like that's what we were stuck on with A.J. Swan and Vanderbilt. Um, but Dart does a lot of other things inside that offense that I think really helps. Um, and you got to see Spencer Sanders a little bit. Once again, somebody who that coaching staff has told us has been an amazing teammate. And Jackson Dart even told us has helped him learn how to watch film, learn how to recognize different things. So it's pretty cool to see him come in, having played all the college football that he had, and now all of a sudden he's helping a kid that hadn't played near as much as he had. Uh, Ken Seals goes for Vanderbilt, but comes out after eight attempts. He was four of eight, 22 yards. And we get to see Walter Taylor, a young man who a lot of ability, big physical guy, like has a strong arm. He's a lefty, but he goes four of 12, 38 yards, no touchdowns and a pick. He forced the pick. And I think the playbook was probably six, eight plays with him in the game. Like you have to expand it just a little bit more. And if you're going to, if you're going to beat a team that's growing defensively, um, Will Shepard, only four catches, had to target him down the field a little bit more. That old Miss staff was terrified of him. Uh, they were going to bracket him. I talked to Wesley Neighbors before the game, and Pete told us as well, like, we're, we're going to have a safety his way at all times. He, we think he can take over a game, not just on third and longs, but like on all downs. 
Um, so that he was a guy they were really concerned about. And then Jaden McGowan's number six, like he's got to get the ball more. He's too dynamic. Um, I know that coaching staff was worried about him too. 431 to 229 was your total yards in this game. Like it wasn't super competitive. Uh, Vandy was three of 15 on third downs. Like you're not going to get it done. Ole Miss could have been better on third down. Uh, they got a little sloppy at times. You heard Lane at halftime with me. He was frustrated about it. But either way, like they, I think they can pose some real problems down the stretch. If they stay healthy, they can – if you go back in our episodes and get most interesting matchups going into the season, Ole Miss-Georgia was one that we talked about. That was one of our top five most interesting matchups. But they were going to have to be healthy, and it looks like they're going to be pretty close. Um, all right, so we'll move on from there. Before we do – uh, I had a chance to visit with Clark Lee for a while, Barton Simmons. They're, they're, I think they're doing a great job with how they're organizing things and how they're managing things. Um, it's just they, they need some talent, and the administration, I think, is behind them a little bit more than they have been in a while. I'm excited to see where they go, but it's going to take time. Uh, but a guy who plays on that Vanderbilt defense and has for a while, Dericky Wright, it's kind of a cool story that they were in Oxford because Derek Mason told me that he was actually on his official visit to Ole Miss, and I had another – Another source person tell me this, that um, he was on his Ole Miss official and he called while he was on his visit, called the Vanderbilt staff and said, hey, can I come up there? Like, I'm not feeling it. I'm, I'm ready to commit. Um, and, and changed his mind and ended up at Vanderbilt. Derek Mason kind of sold him on the Vanderbilt degree. And Derek Mason told me, like, listen, this kid will be a success no matter what he does in life. Like, he's just he's that kind of a young man. He got married in the offseason, super mature beyond his years. Um, and he said, Derek Mason said he came to Vanderbilt because he needed stability, he needed consistency, he needed guidance, and they thought that that Vanderbilt degree could provide that. Um, the reason I wanted to bring him up is he lost his mom, Christina Henderson, in 2020. He was raised in a single-parent home. Well, he also had three sisters. Latrice was 10 at the time. Shanita was 16 at the time, and Shanora was 14 at the time. And his grandmother, Joyce Wright, who they call Nana, decided to take the kids in. He was already in college. One of the reasons he actually decided not to transfer and leave was because of Justin Harris. Justin is now on staff there at Vanderbilt. He is a defensive um, quality control, and he was his roommate. Justin also from Gadsden, where Dericky Wright is from. And... Basically, he just said because Justin was going to be there that he wanted to stay at Vanderbilt because Justin's parents, Eddie and Lakeisha Harris, would go over and check on the girls. So he had that tie and he had that sort of it all already set up. But Coach Mason said he sent his stipend money and, and his scholarship money back to help out with the girls and took on more of a, a parental role there, and it's kind of forced him to grow up. And I was sitting there thinking about when I was a sophomore, junior in college, away from home, if I would have had three siblings, and all of a sudden I got to start trying to take care of them, even in a limited amount of time while I was playing college football, and then the academic requirements that come with being at Vanderbilt on top of that, and not being extremely close to home. I mean, yeah, it's, it's drivable to get from Nashville down to Gadsden, but it's a couple hours and just how you would manage all that, deal with that, um, just says a lot about him as an individual. Also, for a safety, good Lord, like there's no way he's 217. Like that dude is put together. He is thick. He actually had a good game against Ole Miss too, but like he looks like a defensive end playing safety. Um, 
but it's stories like that, guys, that if I keep getting them, I'm going to share them with you because it's just we hear so much about stealing signs and the transfer portal and kids want to leave and should a kid play and how much is he getting and he, he's mad that he's not getting enough so he's going to sit out or he tells a coach he doesn't want to play anymore because he's played in four games and he wants to save his red shirt. Like, jeez, we hear, we hear all of it. And it's like, I want to try to share some good stuff with you guys when I get a chance to. So every week if I get it, I'm going to do that. Um, and I'm going, to, I'm going to try to share that with you. And, and it's like I remember back too, like Xavier Leggett. We'll talk about it at South Carolina in a minute. Like same thing with him. Um, you know, lost his parents. Um, dad, younger, mom, right? I think right before he went to school or right after he got to school. And just it's um, some of these young men, what they've been through and then what they're doing it's, it's so impressive, and I hate it for them because, like I said, it's the best time of your life, and you want your parents to be able to experience it with you, and some of these young men don't have that, and I just hate it, but it's awesome that they're able to do it and what they're overcoming and the kind of people that they are at the same time. And I'm, if I get a chance, I'm going to share some of those with you guys. Um, so we'll roll right here into that one. South Carolina, Texas A&M, 1730. Oh, in Oxford, by the way, we stopped by Blue Delta Jeans. I saw Nick, his beautiful wife. Uh, they were having a little event there at the shop after dinner. We went by. They're always hospitable. They're always nice. If you're in Oxford, stop by there. Uh, they can measure you right there. You can go to bluedeltajeans.com, uh, get the gift certificate. You'll see me having them on Monday night, read and react. I'm always wearing blue deltas. I was wearing blue deltas on the square this weekend. Um, and it's, uh, it's funny because some other members of our crew, uh, like our producer, Billy, our director, Brad, like they have pairs now and they're talking about how like, I don't want to wear any other jeans anymore. Um, like our guy Kyle, the SID at Ole Miss, he's like, I don't, I don't want to put other pants on. I'm like, I'm the same way. Um, but either way, those guys will take good care of you. Go to BlueDeltaJeans.com. Christmas right around the corner. Make a good gift. Uh, Thirty to seventeen, uh, Texas A&M over South Carolina started out slow. I feel like the South Carolina defense had a good beat on what A&M was trying to do early, and they were able to get some pressures mainly through the middle. Um, if you saw read and react last week, we did a big presentation on slide protection. Like we spent a big, we went to a different studio. We spent a lot of time on it and it is an epidemic still. And Texas A&M might be the worst at it. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. Like their effing slide protection is some of the worst in college football. I don't know why they can't get it. They try to do three quarter slide and half slide. A lot of the time, I think it gets them in trouble, but they let three or four guys come through just in protections that they never should have been coming through on. Like, it was gross. Um, but I'll give that coaching staff credit. One thing I think they realized is, okay, if they're going to bring pressure, they're going to get here. Let's go to the screen game. Let's go to the quick game. They started going to slants, and they started attacking the middle of the field. I don't think South Carolina countered that very well because the middle of the field stayed open. And Jimbo and Bobby had a good plan to be able to get into that, and it's why they found success. Anaya Smith, uh, six for 118, the catch and run, dynamic. I mean, I, you guys have heard me for a while saying I think he needs more touches. Like, he needs to be in the 12 to 16 range every game and not just catches. Like, just get him east and west to make the defense defend it and think about it. Like, I don't know why you wouldn't – I'm not saying he's a 30-touch ca carry a game guy, but make the defense defend him a little bit more. Uh, Ruben Owens goes 18 carries, 40 yards. I was really impressed with this young man. Uh, offensive line wasn't great. 71 over at right tackle had a pretty good game. He did some nice things. Uh, got beat once in pass pro, but in the run game, he's pretty strong. Like he's got some power. You can tell. He put a right hand on a guy one time and, and almost dumped him. And it was it was really impressive. But Ruben Owens, that long stride, 
He's got good vision. He gets north and south like he runs with violence, uh, but had a good feel for how plays were going to develop. I was impressed with what he did. Um, really good cuts in that game. Max was 20 of 30, a touchdown, no picks. Some of the rollouts, I don't understand. Like, why are they why are they making him roll right as much as they are? I kind of don't understand that. Um, there were some protection breakdowns outside of the slide protection stuff. The backs weren't very good in protection. That's all got to continue to be cleaned up. Um, but I, I think if you're an AM fan, number one, you love how your defensive line played. And I'll just say this right now, like 45 for AM is playing out of his mind. Like that kid's making himself a lot of money. He was, he played like his hair was on fire in this game, like straight glass eater stuff. Like he was really impressive. Um, I, I just, I, I came away wowed with what I saw. And I watched a little bit of this game live because it was an early game, most of it live. And I was, and I saw it then, I saw it again on film. Like he was just really impressive. That defensive line, Walter Nolan again, dominant, uh, doing some things that I think are above and beyond physically what he is. Like guys his size should not be able to do some of the things that he does. Uh, it's really impressive. So the D-line was dominant. You got some guys off the ball that are making plays. Your offense didn't look great early. It wasn't super clean, but you made the adjustments to get to where you needed to be. South Carolina just beat up, man. Like they, they like you got another offensive lineman go down. Your best player has been out for a while. Your best player who's been in, Xavier Leggett's obviously not 100%. Hey, you get Nick Harbor going a little bit, six for 59, and it's fun, but then you also see a ball basically hit him in the face mask and go right through his hands. So that's the inconsistencies of why it hasn't been targeting him 15 times a game. It's just not there yet. Rattler goes 20 of 33, 176, a touchdown, no picks. He left the pocket a little bit quick late. But honest to God, you can't blame him. I mean, the the pressure was immediate. And I know it's a good defensive line. I get it. But they're just they're so beat up up front. I thought Mario Anderson still ran the ball fairly well. Um, they just, when you're rotating linemen in, you're getting different linemen in and out. And guys are beat up. And it's probably some guys that shouldn't be playing in the SEC. It's just like... What are you going to do? Um, and it's not just them. It's the team. Like, the team is beat up. So I thought defensively, T.J. Sanders kind of up and down in this game. Um, I thought 10, Tyree Johnson played the edge really well. Like, did some really nice things. Uh, but they're out rushed 105 to 33. You're not going to win SEC games with that happening. And the plan for South Carolina is more of what it has to be as opposed to what they want it to be just because they're so limited. It's not really on them. Uh, but I thought the plan was probably what it should have been. It's just you can't execute all of it. Um, so one thing you guys can execute that I'll tell you about is AG1. Uh, I've been doing these all season. And I've got the travel packs. Um, I could go to my kitchen here and just get you the giant canister that I have because that's usually what I hit every morning after the show. Um, it's the number one most important thing about you is what we value the most is what AG1 can do for you. Um, daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it every day. I told you guys I, I fast. And then when I come off my fast after the show, it's AG1. I go, I go, we have the little water machine in the office and I go in there, ice, water, boom, shake it up. And I have it right there. Um, but you don't have to worry about taking all these different vitamins, doing all these different things, because all the, the nutritional base that you need every day is going to be right here with AG1. Better gut health. Uh, you get a boost in energy, immune support. If you don't like taking pills and vitamins, you want a different supplement that tastes great, you can do it quickly. 
AG1 is going to be for you. Morning, afternoon, working out, whatever it is, it can be flexible around your schedule. Um, this is something that's going to support whole body health. And if you are not going to be able to get those in your diet, kind of like me, you need a different way to supplement that. Um, all great athletes have one thing in common. They take care of their bodies. And a huge part of that starts with how you optimize your whole body health. AG1 can help you do that because they have the nutrients to be able to do it. Just one serving every single day gives you 75 high quality ingredients that give you the key daily nutrients, support on energy, focus, strength, and clarity. It's a micro habit that delivers macro benefits. It really is. And I do it every day. I'm telling you. Uh, so I cover my nutritional basis for the day. It literally couldn't be easier than with AG1. I also like it costs less than $3 a day. So that's pretty sweet if you ask me. So what you're going to be able to do is go to drinkag1.com slash cube, C-U-B-E, drinkag1.com slash cube, and check it out today. And if you try AG1, you'll get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs. Can't beat that. You get that with your first purchase at drinkag1.com slash cube. Appreciate AG1 being a sponsor of the show. All right, Tennessee takes down Kentucky 33-27. This is one of those games, when you watched it on film, it didn't feel as close as it was. Um, Tennessee gets to 6-2. and two, Kentucky gets to 5-3 uh, and three on the season. Now, Devin Leary had a great day, hell of a day. 28-39, 372, two touchdowns, no picks. The receivers were a little bit better. Dane Key. I mean, they came into this game leading the nation in drop rate, to give you an idea. Uh, but they were better in this game. Had some catch and run. Had some contested catches. Tight ends did a pretty good job. Jordan Dingle, four for 61. He was great. Uh, tight ends were pretty good blocking as well, even though the run game didn't get going. But the reason the run game didn't get going is because they were outnumbered in the box. So basically... Tim Banks said, we're going to overload. We're going to add safeties right after the snap. And we're going to outnumber you in the box, so Ray Davis is not going to get going. And I thought Liam Cohen actually did a pretty good job countering that by saying, okay, cool. We'll put Ray Davis at running back. We'll direct – or quarterback will direct snap him. I'll put him in motion. Uh, we'll jet sweep him a little bit. Like, he tried to force him to football now. Uh, Davis had 16 carries, 42 yards, and a touchdown, three catches, 28 yards. So they, they tried to get him going. But the way that that defense was going to manage things was we're going to let Devin Leary go. We're going to let him complete some balls, but we think we can keep it underneath and that's not going to be able to beat us. And I think that plan kind of worked. Kentucky's longest play was 34 yards, if I'm not mistaken. So they didn't find the explosives, even though the quarterback put up a lot of yards. Uh, the rushing difference in this game, 47 for 253 for Tennessee, 24 for 72 for Kentucky. Not winning a ton of SEC football games that way. You're just not. I thought the defensive front for Tennessee was pretty good. Omar Norman Lott made some plays. Tyler Barron made some plays. You had some, and I like the way Tim mixed up the fronts, and later on when it was pretty apparent they were just going to start throwing the ball, I mean, you had 9, 30, 27, and 6 on the field at the same time. Like, that's a hell of a jet package. Uh, hell of a rabbit's package, whatever you want to call it. Um, I thought the offensive line for Tennessee had a pretty good game. Campbell, Mincy, Spragans, all – Super physical in the run game, finished well, strained, good job getting to the second level. Pass pro, not great. They just weren't very good in pass pro. And that's all right. I mean, J.J. Weaver, some of those guys, they can get after you. I mean, you see zero in the middle for Kentucky. He's a player, and he had another good game. He can get after you. It's fine. They they handle their business in the run game. Um, Joe Milton, 18-21, 228, a touchdown, no picks. I love how they added him in the run game. 
Because what Brad White did is what I would have suggested he do. I thought he had a good plan. I don't think the plan's the reason Kentucky lost this game. And like I'll say here that I think coaching won this game. But remember this when I say that. Just because coaching wins a game doesn't mean coaching also loses a game. Um, I know that sounds a little bit odd, but I just thought the plan that was put in place was executed better by the Tennessee side. And the, the coaching moves that happen are all going to have inherent risks. There are some things that you try that if you don't get away with it, it could cost you the game. There are some things that you implement that if they don't work, it's going to be detrimental to your abilities to go win that football game. And I think the perfect example of that is Brad White. He had the right plan. He played lighter in the box. He said, run the ball. And then he told Joe Milton, you can have the underneath stuff. We're not going to give anything up over the top. They had one busted coverage on the outside. It went for a touchdown. That was Chaz Nimrod, one for 39. It's what he had from the days of touchdown. So they kept it underneath. And Joe Milton did a pretty good job. He took the free grass. He took the easy stuff. Uh, what he needed to do, and he added the quarterback runs. But Jalen Wright went wild, 11 for 120. Why did that happen? Well, the linebackers for Kentucky decided to duck blocks and try to play over blocks and try to play under blocks and didn't take on blocks the way that they needed to. They didn't strong arm them. They didn't use a correct shoulder, and they didn't fit necessarily the way they needed to. And Jalen Wright and those backs did a good job of following those blocks, making late cuts, and turning those into explosive plays. That was the difference in the game. Honestly, I think tempo helped Tennessee a little bit. Had some problems getting lined up at times. But also, one thing that Josh Heupel did in this game that was exceptional was the tight end usage. You saw tight ends coming in motion and then insert. You saw tight ends lined up inside the tackle box, but they would stay outside. You saw them insert in different areas in the run game. All that causes confusion. You saw some split zone where they come flat across. There's two plays where the Kentucky's defender's eyes went with that tight end and the run hit backside and there was just nobody there. Once again, that's not the plan. That's just execution by one team being a little bit better than the other. So I, I, Kentucky played it defensively the way I would play Tennessee if I had their personnel. The other part of this is Kentucky normally is a very good tackling football team. I bragged on them for years for this. This was as bad as I've seen. It was bad. And you had guys that were coming up from the secondary diving at ankles. You had linebackers, like I said, that were taking poor angles, not playing blocks correctly. And, I mean, that little, the little shovel pass late gets stuck behind the line of scrimmage and then goes out for like 18 or 20, whatever that was. Like, that's unacceptable. Like, you had defenders that weren't blocked on that play. They were right there with the capabilities to make a play. Uh, so that was bad. But I just thought that the way that they decided to play it, the strategy lent itself to Tennessee in this game. So give Hypo and his staff credit. I thought they did a nice job. Um, you know, I'll tell you who else does a nice job. It's Caldera Labs. Now, you guys know I'm old. I'm not afraid to admit it. But impressions matter. And if you're not taking care of your skin, it's going to be the first thing that somebody notices instantly. Either they think you're way older than you are or you just don't care about your appearance. Show them you do. Make a great first impression with Caldera Lab. Um, you've got great high-performance men's skincare products, and the regimen leads off their product lineup. Twice-a-day routine that transforms your skin. Caldera Lab knows skincare world, heavily female-driven, and has long been the Wild West for men. That's why they're making the solution simple. 
The regimen includes three products, the clean slate, the base layer, and the good. The clean slate starts an injured day. Face wash that leaves all skin types refreshed. I've started doing this, something I should have gotten on a long time ago, being in front of the camera all the time, and I can already tell a difference. Base layer, daily moisturizer, hydrate your skin, jumpstart your day full of confidence. The good is your go-to multifunctional serum at night that helps your skin look tighter and smoother. This is what I would have never known about. You know, we all know about hydration and moisturizer and finding a lotion um, and then obviously washing our face. So that could have been easy. But I'm telling you, the good is that multifunctional serum that I didn't know about and I can already tell a difference. It's going to help reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. Every drop of the serum packed with 3.4 million antioxidant units to protect your skin. Caldera Lab, leader in men's skin care, top tier ingredients. Um, their trials have found 94% of men's skin showed an overall younger looking appearance after the use of Caldera Labs for just a few weeks. So here's what you're going to do. Best offer now available anywhere at calderalab.com. Get 20% off right now with promo code CUBE. Promo code CUBE, C-U-B-E, you get 20% off, calderalab.com. Go get any of those products that I talked about. Start looking younger like me, even though I'm working on about uh, four hours of sleep right now. We had the Witch's Ride here in Homewood. That's why I'm not in Charlotte. I didn't even tell you guys about that. Witch's Ride, pretty cool. My wife was involved with it. It's like her big day, her and her buddies, uh, her group all dressed up uh, like one of the, well, I can't remember the name, but one of the characters from the Adams Family had their whole deal. They throw candy to the kids, raise money for breast cancer. It's a really cool deal, and it's a lot of fun. And so I was in Oxford, drove home, got home, I don't know, 1.30 or so. Um, got up, hung out with the kids all day. She had to – it is kind of weird that they it, they start getting ready at noon, and the thing doesn't go until 5.45, and she was already in her costume when she went. Really? Nonetheless, it's her day. So I'll get up and fly to Charlotte in the morning – should be on air for most of Mac and Cube. And then uh, we'll do Read and React. And you'll like some of the stuff that we're going to do for Read and React. Um, but Georgia takes down Florida over the weekend, 43-20. to 20. Georgia 8-0, no, Florida 5-3. and three. Um, This game was never really dangerous. I know what happened early. And Florida takes it down scores. Eugene Wilson was great, 11 for 75. Had, a had that early touchdown. Merch was 25 of 34, 230, two touchdowns, no picks. I thought he was pretty efficient especially considering the protection that he had because it wasn't really there. Um, a lot of breakdowns from this offensive line individually. Uh, right tackle had a rough day, not just in pass pro, but also in the run game. I was blown away with the guys that just kept showing up for this Georgia defense. Jalen Walker, 11 off the edge. Christian Miller, dent in the pocket inside. Tyron Ingham Dawkins, uh, 93 making plays. Uh, had that strip sack. Um, 29, Gabe Harris coming off the edge. 35, Damon Wilson's coming off the edge. Javon Bullard had a great game. I don't think any of those guys compared to what Tyke Smith did in this game. And the box score is not going to really tell you that. Six tackles, tackle for loss. He had a batted ball down in a one-on-one -on -one coverage. He dove and knocked it down. Excellent play. Folks, let me tell you about 23 for this Georgia defense. This kid was one-on-one -on -one in coverage, making plays. He was coming up, supporting the run. There was... I believe two times he was actually setting the edge for the defense. So he's taking on a perimeter blocker at the line of scrimmage. And there's one time he sets the edge and the tight end gets pushed back into the back and essentially makes the tackle. Tyke Smith is having a hell of a year. And I think he just had his best game in a Georgia uniform. And I haven't heard a lot of people talking about him. I know it was a big deal when he transferred, 
but we know half these folks pissing their pants over anybody who transfers. Um, this kid is having a great year, and he had an amazing game, amazing game in so many different ways. I love when I see guys do so many different things well in one game. Uh, Carson Beck, 19 to 28, 315, two touchdowns, no picks. He was sharp. He missed a couple of deep balls. And this is the same Carson Beck that week two and three people were mad about. And like, we're ready to move on. Should we go to the next guy? Is he really the guy? Can he start for us? Same dude, throwing darts. Fairly efficient the majority of the time, but misses one or two, three down the field. But now everybody's happy because they're 8 no. Uh, I like the way they're using Bell, running back, receiver. We kind of forget he's a receiver sometimes, but he can still do that. Um, Edwards, 15 for 96. I'm going to tell you what, man. Edwards does a really good job, number 30, running back for Georgia, of making the defense wrong. He presses the line of scrimmage. He's very patient. He knows how to press blocks. He knows how to cut late. And there are a lot of times when a a defender was fitting that run the right way and he'd make a late cut, Whoop, all of a sudden, defense wrong. He made him wrong. Uh, Ernest Green had a couple big blocks at left tackle. I thought Xavier Trust was a little bit better on the right side. I thought in the run game, those guys were better. Uh, the pass pro was excellent for Carson Beck. I mean, he hardly had any. I don't. Princely had a couple of nice pass rush moves and got in the backfield in the run game a little bit. I'll tell you, Austin was really aggressive up front, man. Like they twisted on like 90% of their snaps. Uh, and you saw Princely get inside a couple of times. He set the edge nice a few times. Um, he was, they were very aggressive. 88 was disruptive inside for Florida a little bit. I thought he had a pretty nice game, did some nice things, but, and here's the thing. Did they really, did Georgia really shut down the rushing attack? Probably not. Montreal went nine for 82, had two receptions. Um, but it got, the game was to the point so early that it didn't really matter. And Florida wasn't going to be able to lean on the run game with how that thing was going. So Florida came out of their game plan really early kind of similar to what we've talked about with Vanderbilt. Like, they got out of their game plan so early, the game was just totally different. Um, I, I There are a couple of things with Florida, like the amount of compressed sets. I, I don't know if that was best against this, this group. There was no space in the quick game. Uh, slants, balls out in the flat. Like, I, And I've said this before about this Georgia defense. They close space so fast. And that's Bullard and Tyke Smith and some of those guys. Like, it's just – Dumas Johnson was great again, blitzing – uh, physical against the run. He read things really well. He was there early. Um, you know, it was just, it, it was a, it was an impressive performance by this Georgia defense. And they're everything that, that I think they're better on the back end. I think they're as good at linebacker, maybe better collectively. They're just not as good up front, but now we're seeing these other guys that are coming in doing all these different things. Uh, I like what Bobo did with the offense, motions, shifts, trade, movement, different guys in different places. I love it. Like, I think he's he's trying to say, we're going to get you out of your position or we're going to get the matchup we want and we're going to figure this out. Like, I think he is he's making some people look dumb this year, too. All the folks that said, oh, all we do is just run the ball. Um, he's proven to you that he can run a, a new age type offense that doesn't have to be high risk. It's what he's doing. But an impressive win for Georgia. Thought they looked good. Um, didn't think they were really threatened in this game at all. 43-20, they get the win. All right. Uh, finally, Auburn gets a win 27-13 over Mississippi State. Before we get to that, I'll tell you guys about prize picks. Listen, you guys are all playing daily fantasy sports. The easiest, most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports is just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less 
than on two to six player stat projections and just watch your winnings roll in. Prize picks, most fun I've had, winning up to 25 times my money this football season. Select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats. You place your entry, test your skills on prize picks this football season. It's the most exciting way to play fantasy football. And I'm going to tell you, if you test your skills on prize picks this football season, it's easy to do, simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. You get quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes Prize Picks number one daily fantasy sports app. So you can go Saquon Barkley, more than 60 yards, Pat Mahomes, more than two passing touchdowns, Justin Jefferson, less than 100 yards, Lamar Jackson, more than a passing touchdown. A lot of different ways you can go. Right there, Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday each Tuesday, and they discount select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. And PrizePix now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. You can't beat that. This is quick, this is easy, this is fun, and this is a good way for you to go out and make some money. Go to prizepix.com cube. Use promo code cube for your first deposit. They'll match it up to 100 bucks. So think about that. You got Monday Night Football coming up tonight. We got weeknight uh, college football during the week this week. College football, NFL coming up this weekend. You can go to prizepicks.com slash cube. Use promo code cube for your first deposit up to 100 bucks, and they're going to match it. You can't beat it. Prizepicks.com or go to the App Store and search PrizePicks. Auburn 27-13, first SEC win under Hugh Freeze. Man, who was this Peyton Thorne kid that we saw out there? 20-26, 230, three touchdowns, no picks. He comes out confident, deliberate, got the ball out, challenged Mississippi State down the field. A couple things that I really like. Um, I saw two, three plays where Peyton Thorne gets set to rip one and it's not there and he stops, redirects, and then gets a good pass out. I saw three or four plays where Peyton Thorne let the ball go where the coverage looked like it was good, but the read on his part was better and ended up being a completion. Back shoulder, ball down the field, the little fade in the end zone, the little kind of fade away up over the top down close to the end zone. All of that anticipation are things we haven't really seen from him this year. Then, on top of that, keeping the football, running a little bit, I thought was fantastic as well. So I thought that, I thought they showed a little more tempo, maybe even tempo to the ball, which actually was something that Pete Golding and Lane Kiffin talked to us about that they were really surprised that Auburn didn't do more of. Pete even said, man, that, that made my job so much easier not having to deal with even tempo to the ball. So... A little more tempo from Auburn, a little bit faster. Jarquez Hunter, 17 for 144. This kid, he is unbelievable. We mentioned it before with Dejon Edwards. Like, Hunter's the same way. Like, he waits, he presses, and then boom, north and south. He has such a good feel putting that foot in the ground and then getting towards the end zone. Uh, he had a really good day and did some of the same stuff that we talked about with Edwards of making the defense wrong when they were right. Like, a really, really good job of that. Um Javaris Johnson, two for 59 and a touchdown. Um, you had some quarterback runs that helped. You had some quick throws. You had a couple yards after catch, which Auburn came in last in the league in yards after catch with just over 400. Georgia and LSU, both over 1,300 going into this game. They had a little bit more. The receivers helped out a little bit. They made a couple of plays. you got to have that to help your quarterback out, man. I thought Connor Lou had a good first start at center. He got beat by Bookie Watson one-on-one -on -one inside one time on a pressure 
but all in all, I thought he handled himself well. Had the one bad snap late. Don't know what happened on that deal. It's good to see Jeremiah Wright in the game. Add some more physicality. I like that. Uh, Jaden Muskrat came in, 63. He showed some physicality. He was getting after it a little bit. Um, but I thought you saw a lot of misdirection. And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Misdirection throws. So, you know, you kind of fake one way and then a quick throw the opposite way, which is not really like a downfield pass or anything. It's not really play action, but you're getting the defense one way, quick distribution and getting the ball to your playmakers in space. I thought Hugh and those guys did a good job with that. Um, but it was an impressive game plan offensively. And I will say, um, I told you guys last week, and a lot of Auburn fans didn't buy into this. We had a lot of them calling a Mac and Cube last week upset, and I had to talk them off the ledge with this. And I had confirmation after talking to that old Miss staff. They throttled back last week. That game was not as close as you thought it was. And that foot came off the gas for the old Miss offense. So just same thing here. Just listen to what I say. You're not going to get a defense that is aggressive and sometimes a little egregious with how they manage things as you did in this game. That's all I'm going to say. A lot of great things, a lot of positives, a lot of things I liked, but it's just, it'll be different moving forward. That's all I'm going to say. Um, from, the Mississippi, from the Auburn defensive standpoint, by the way, another great performance. Keontae Scott, zero. I'm just amazed with this kid flying around, putting his body on the line, like no regard for human life. He will run into anybody, doesn't care. Keldrick Falk, the freshman, really good job closing space. Like he played out wide. He played flat down the line of scrimmage when he needed to. Got a couple pass rushes in. They were pretty good. Zion Puckett gets a big interception late. I thought overall the defense held the point fairly well um, because this is a team that can run the ball. And even without Woody Marks, the scheme that they have, even with a mobile quarterback, that can be difficult. They played screens well, uh, really, because they can. this defense runs pretty well as a group. Eugene Asante, Cam Riley made some plays. Uh, good to see Austin Keys making plays. Six was there making some plays. Marcus Harris inside, pass rush. He did a good job again. I thought all in all defensively, it was a really good performance. Now, Mississippi State's a little bit limited, a little bit one-dimensional. Not great at throwing the football right now. Mike Wright, 16 of 32, 161, a touchdown and a pick. He ran 14 times, 63 yards. Barbe's got to get him out of this habit of just chucking the ball. Now, he just heaves it at times, and it's nonsensical. Um, maybe it's a throwaway and it just doesn't appear to be that to me, but this, it, I hope it's that, um, there's just, there's no rhyme or reason for some of the, just let the ball go down the field. Uh, cause there's not a receiver close to it a couple times. That is something that I think can help the efficiency of the offense if they can dial that in. Um, but I do think he's still a dynamic runner and he can help you in different ways. I love the way Barbe used Tulu early. You put him in the backfield, you motion him, you get it to him quick. But then he has three catches for 18 yards and two rushes for 18 yards. Like, that's not enough. Like, he is a dynamic playmaker. He's got to get the ball more. And by the way, here comes Xavier Thomas, 9 for 112. That was like half in a touchdown. That was like half his production in this game. And he made some tough grabs, like grabs in traffic, grabs on the sideline. He looked great. So you got Xavier, you got Tulu. If you can get Woody Marks back, which I will say this, um, I thought Jeff Pittman, 25, ran hard. Like he gets, he does a really good job getting north and south. Like he runs violent when he gets north and south. Um, I thought he did some pretty good things. But some of the play calls, like a, a traditional screen into the boundary, I, I just, 
It was a little bit odd. The middle of the offensive line did not get to the second level very well. Some of that, I think, might have been the speed of the Auburn linebackers. Cole Smith, I thought, had a pretty solid game. I thought he did some good things at center. Um, defensively, 22, kind of up and down. Eh, I thought 14 played his ass off. Nine tackles, had a TFL. Hell, they asked him to blitz the A-gap like 17 times in the game. Him and Jet, they had the double A-gap blitz going. Jet played great again. Jet is so, he Mississippi, I'm going to tell you right now, Mississippi State fans are not going to know how good they have it with these two until they're gone. And I think I think people see it a little bit more with Bookie because he's like he's he's more he's more forward facing with what they ask him to do. I'm going to tell you right now, Jet Johnson, he he saves yards. Cuz there are a lot of plays that he makes that if he didn't get the ball carried to the ground are going to go for big yardage. And he saves him a bunch. Demonte Russell set the edge well. I thought Corey Ellington 10 did some good things in this game. They had him up next to the line of scrimmage making plays. Uh, he did some good things. 36 played the backside of the run pretty well for Mississippi State. But they are just so aggressive and misdirection completely took them out of place that they weren't going to be able to make up for it. So, And I understand some of the mindset of protecting the secondary, be aggressive, make things happen. It's a quarterback that hadn't done anything. He probably wanted to go after him with those double-A gap blitzes you know, make him pee down his leg or see ghosts and then just get him rattled. I get it. I understand it, but it wasn't working. So maybe you needed to get away from it. I, I don't know. That's just kind of the way that I saw it. But, you know, I thought State still played hard. They were aggressive. Um, you know, they just, they, they're a little bit limited at quarterback. They're a little bit limited on the back end. And Auburn made some plays. So um, I think Auburn is finding who their playmakers are. I think the quarterback has a little bit of confidence. And they got a they got a chance here to make a run over the course of a couple games, um, so I think it's going to be fun, man. I think we got some good ones coming up this weekend. Like I'm, I'll be honest with you guys, I'm really excited about what we have coming up in, in the SEC this week. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Bama LSU, uh, key to the game here for me. Like I'll quickly just run through some of these games next week for you guys. Uh, for Alabama and LSU, I think the key is the Alabama secondary. And I know people, when I say that, they think, oh, of course, LSU receivers are really good. Here's my key with the Alabama secondary in this game. Make life hard. That's it. Make life difficult. Because you go to Missouri, you see Malik Neighbors wide open. Look at the Auburn game, Brian Thomas wide open. Malik Neighbors comes in jet motion, they throw it to him out in the flat, and he turns north and south and goes 30-something yards for a touchdown. You can't make it that easy for these guys. They're too damn good. So the Alabama secondary has to make life hard on the LSU receivers. If they do that, I think Alabama has a chance to win that game. Um, I think Vanderbilt's got to get their quarterback situation figured out or else it, it doesn't really matter against Auburn. And I know it's in Nashville, so it's a little bit of an advantage, but South Carolina, you're, you're playing a good team with a mobile quarterback that can take the ball away. Be careful in the battle of the Cox. Just be careful. It's almost say. Rich Rod and those guys, they got a little something going there. Arkansas needs one bad in Gainesville. Gainesville folks need one. What's that offense going to look like? I don't know. Interesting one there. Um, can Ole Miss offset the AM front? And keep in mind, you, you might say, well, they're that, they're that much better than that Ole Miss offensive line. Probably true. I think, the, I think the Ole Miss offensive line is getting a little better. You throw in Priest Corn, a couple guys that can help, but keep in mind, a lot of what Ole Miss does is designed to offset just that. It's to take away 
the guys who come screaming upfield and the guys who want to shoot gaps. So blocking back, pulling around, play fakes, RPOs, quick distribution, quarterback run, adding a blocker, all that stuff, adding a gap, all that stuff is designed just for that. So I think that's the matchup. Can the old Miss front be disciplined? Can the AM front be disciplined? And can the old Miss offense offset it? That's that's kind of what I think there. And um, I guess we got a damn rock fight in uh, Starkville. I'll be on the call for that one. Kentucky's got to find balance offensively, and State's got to find balance offensively. I think whoever finds the most of what they're not great at that day, probably going to win that football game because that's a tough, that's a great home field advantage. And I think I've had this game like four of the last five years. It's a very different one this year with the offenses and how they're going to play it. But if Kentucky can't run the ball and State can't throw it, whoever is better at that part of what they can't do, I think wins that game. So that's my little kind of like light preview for next week. And Tennessee better handle UConn. They're 1-7. I don't feel like I need to go into that one. Always appreciate you guys tuning in. Please click subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. At Cube Show on Instagram. At Cube Show on Twitter. Please follow us there. Uh, always try to get some extra content out for you. And we're here every Sunday. Appreciate all of our sponsors. Appreciate you for being a part. We'll be back next week. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.